Welcome to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. It has been a messy week for the Ontario NDP. Plus, no more free rides on the HSR, probing the urban boundary flip-flop. The most popular Halloween costumes. We'll also speak with a world record holder. And Forge fights for another North Star Shield. The GMH podcast starts now. This is the Good Morning Hamilton podcast on 900 CHML. While the Hamilton Centre NDP Riding Association condemned Ontario NDP leader Marit Stiles for booting MPP Sarah Jama from caucus and is also calling for a leadership review. This was a very difficult decision. It's not a small matter to remove a member from our caucus and I know it's, you know, some people are feeling a little hurt and disappointed. That is Marit Stiles who ejected Jama from the NDP caucus on Monday for taking, quote, unilateral actions that have undermined our collective work and broken the trust of her colleagues. On that same day, Jama was censured by the Ford government for her statement about the Israel-Gaza war. Colin DeBello is our Queen's Park Bureau Chief at Global News and joins us on Good Morning Hamilton. Colin, welcome back. How are you? Hey, good morning. Doing well, thank you. After a long week at Queen's Park, let me tell you. And, and a messy week for the NDP, especially. A very messy week. And, you know, as of right now, I don't know really where the party actually stands because it seems like there's a bit of a civil war happening within the party all over Sarah Jama. We've heard from two riding associations now, Hamilton Center, Kitchener Center, both of whom say Sarah Jama should be the one reinstated and Marit Stiles should be the one uh, being kicked out from her leadership position. And you can see, even in the caucus, I mean, some MPPs told us directly that it has led to an uncomfortable situation in which you've got some caucus members who identified with Sarah Jama, maybe not necessarily her views, but her as a person. And they said, look, caucus wasn't told about the decision on Monday until it actually happened. Uh, Caucus didn't get the chance to vote on it or have a conversation about ejecting Sarah Jama from their ranks. And so there seems to be a little bit of division and people are taking sides definitely behind Marit Stiles or against Marit Stiles. You spoke to a few NDP MPPs yesterday and not all of them gave their support for Stiles. I mean, it was a really strange thing. Uh, we we tried to ask a number of MPPs, right? Do, do you support Marit Stiles? Does she still have your backing? And, and none of them wanted to say no, but some of them couldn't bring themselves to say yes, which to me was you know, kind of indicative of where they find themselves. I mean, you know, the NDP or the opposition party typically doesn't find themselves mired in scandals. So perhaps they're all kind of a bit of deer in the headlights. Uh, But ultimately, it should be a fairly easy answer when you think about the idea of caucus solidarity, right? For the progressive conservatives, if we went to every single one of them and asked them, they would all say, yes, we stand behind the premier uh, because they understand what the consequences are if they say no. Um, so it, it is a bit of an interesting situation. Is it an existential crisis for Marit Stiles? That is unclear, although, you know, some strategists suggest that, no, she can she can weather this storm. Will it lead to a leadership review? I don't think it would lead to a leadership review. I mean, right now, it's two riding associations that are raising this as an issue. If we start to see more riding associations speak up, then it might pick up steam and there could be kind of a grassroots um, situation. Uh, there's also a petition that Sarah Jama is is trying to um, ha- have signed in terms of reinstating her. So uh, will that have some kind of a play here? We asked Marit Stiles, like, is there a pathway for Sarah Jama back in? And she said at this point, she didn't really see what that path is. So she's she's made that decision 
And the party is looking at trying to get back in track. And back in track means shifting the spotlight from them back to the progressive conservative government. If she can kind of do that swiftly and adeptly, then, you know, perhaps it'll start to calm some of the anger uh, from this decision. Our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML is Colin DeMello, Queen's Park Bureau Chief for Global News. We're talking about the... Uh, Sarah Jama fiasco, I guess we can call it that for lack of a better term, that the NDP is now dealing with. And uh, we had you on the air earlier on in the week, and you were talking about Sarah Jama's office at Queen's Park being empty. Is that still the case? Has she moved elsewhere at Queen's Park? No, I mean, there is no sign of Sarah Jama at Queen's Park. Um, and, and I think there hasn't been much of a sign, you know, uh, of her outside of it. I, I know that Sarah Jemma, or at least those who are in support of her, were planning to hold some kind of an online rally uh, for her today. Uh, but we haven't really heard much from her. And we haven't really heard her other than when she spoke in the legislature on Monday. We haven't heard her speak publicly at all. So, uh, you know, Mart Styles, I think, viewed her as a bit of a rebel. And somebody who was never going to be able to be brought into line with the NDP. So, you know, they all in politics, there's a there's a, a funny saying you want somebody inside the tent, um, you know, urinating outside of it rather than inside of it. Right. <laughs> um, so so that's that's kind of the, the sense now. Sarah Jam is outside outside of the tent. Now she's going to be slinging her arrows at the NDP, which is going to cause a problem for them uh, for at least the short term. When it comes to the censure, is there any movement on that? And it's still, is that still, I mean, if Sarah Jama goes into Queen's Park on Monday and says, okay, I, you know, retract this statement, I apologize again, is it over and out? Yeah, I mean, that would be then up to the speaker, right? To to feel satisfied by the apology and the withdrawal. Uh, and, and so the ball is entirely in Sarah Jama's court. No one is going to, you know, introduce a motion to reinstate her speaking rights or speaking privileges at Queen's Park. So if she decides to go in and apologize for the statement and retract it, uh, then she'd get her speaking privileges back. Although judging from the fact that the last opportunity she had to do that was on Monday and she read a completely different statement, um, you know, suggesting Israel apartheid and all of that. That was what got her ejected from the party, and that likely is going to be the stance she would take if she came back as well. Sounds like it. Colin, always appreciate the time. Enjoy the day and the weekend. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Colin DeMello is our Queen's Park Bureau Chief at Global News, doing a fine job covering what is happening at the provincial legislature. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Well, this is certainly making some news. City of Hamilton is ending its free bus service for those with disabilities as of January 1st. Instead, the city is going to start a new pilot project called HSR Fare Assist that is going to offer a 30% discount to passengers with disabilities. So, in essence, they're going to be paying $1.68 to ride the HSR. Tim Nolan is with Accessibility Hamilton Alliance and joins us on GMH. Tim, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Rick. Good, thanks. How are you? I'm okay. We know that uh, here are the facts. Rental rates have gone up. The cost of food is higher than ever before. Social assistance rates have remained stagnant. And now this, this is not a good news story. It is not a good story. And, and um, you know, the city has uh, reportedly undertaken... Uh, uh, some research in coming to this decision. Um, but I'm not sure they did the right research and I'm not sure they did a fulsome uh, uh, investigation into what should be done. 
And so why, what makes you believe that? Well, the city did consult the city's disability advisory committee, and the opinion of the committee was primarily don't do it. Uh, it wouldn't be a good decision. Um, they apparently have consulted with uh, uh, disability organizations in the city. Um, I, I'm having a hard time trying to uh, reconcile that any disability organization in the city would have supported such a decision. Um, and on top of that, um, you know, there are so many people with disabilities who live below the poverty line and, and we know the poverty line is, is quite low. So, and, and, you know, that kind of decision is, is going to make, as you kind of alluded to already, the cost of everything is going up and now we have to start paying for, for bus fare. And that's not to suggest that everybody with a disability, uh, should be lumped together and and be uh, incapable of paying. There are lots of people with disabilities who could probably afford to pay. Um, but the same thing goes for for children under the age of 12 and seniors over the age of 80. Um, you know, but they still get free bus service. So, you know, it's hard to it's hard to reconcile how those decisions were made. Do you think those in this part of the population, and, and I know my good friend, uh, accessibility advocate Anthony Frasina has, has told me this time and time again, that Hamilton has the largest percentage of people with disabilities of, of any large community in this country. Do you think they're being targeted at all? I don't think they're being targeted. I think the city is, is trying to find a way forward. Um, provincial legislation under the Accessibility for Ontarians with Disabilities Act requires fair parity. And I know that, uh, I mean, not only does that clause exist, but I was on the very first Transportation Standards Development Committee under the AODA, and the fair parity policy is something that I personally uh, supported, if, if not actually put it forward. The reason was people with disabilities were being charged more to travel in, in the early 2000s and before. And the whole point of the fair parity um, uh, regulation was to stop uh, targeting people with disabilities and charging them more. But the fair parity policy is now being treated as if it's it means everybody must pay the same. And and they don't. The fair parity policy was about you can't charge me more, but it doesn't mean you can't charge me less. Uh, E.g., the seniors golden bus pass and and the children's policy. I mean. Students at, at colleges and universities in the city are paying significantly less than what people with disabilities will pay Tim Nolan to travel to HSR. Yeah, Tim Nolan is with Accessibility Hamilton Alliance. We're talking about the city of Hamilton ending its free bus service for those with disabilities. It starts on January the 1st and at that time kicks in a new pilot project called HSR Fair Assist that's going to offer a 30% discount to passengers with disabilities. So they'll be paying $1.68 to ride the HSR. What impact is this going to have on people with disabilities who you referenced? Many of them are below the poverty line. Yeah, well, lots of people with disabilities uh, uh, volunteer their time. And and if they're going to have to pay now to get out to volunteer, I think that's going to have a significant impact upon community organizations that rely upon volunteers. Um, uh, people with disabilities who, who don't get out much because uh, income doesn't necessarily permit it, they may get out even even less um i you know these are these are challenges i i think i think if we're if we're trying to back people with disabilities into a corner this is a good way to do it do you think the city is going to reconsider rethink its its uh, pilot project i 
I've I've communicated with city staff and I've I've given them and so th- this opinion and I'm 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 happy to share this. Um, uh, I I think the schedule with which they've created how much people are going to have to pay based upon their income needs to be rethought. I don't personally have a problem with the idea that people have to pay for transit. Uh, lots of people with disabilities can probably pay for transit, but I think the most vulnerable people shouldn't be paying anything. And that schedule that starts with a, a, a 30% discount perhaps should be re rethought. And that schedule um, based on income levels should have the most vulnerable people paying zero, not 70%. Real quick, do you know how long this pilot project is going to go for? Uh, it's uh, it, it takes effect January 1st. I believe it runs until uh, uh uh, the end of June uh, 2026, and staff are required to report to City Council on a couple of occasions, including a recommendation on whether to proceed at the end of the project. Right. So in two and a half years, I guess we'll have a better idea of whether or not this is a, a success or not. Tim, thank you for your time this morning. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you so much, Rick. Take care. You too. Tim Nolan is with the Accessibility Hamilton Alliance. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Well, earlier this week, Hamilton City Hall said, you know what we should do? We should have the RCMP investigate the province's Greenbelt land removal and its decision to expand the city's urban boundary. Now, both those decisions, as we all know, the Ford government has gone back on. More than once. Our next guest put forward a motion on Wednesday to get some answers as to how all of this went down and, and more importantly, what happens next. Maureen Wilson is the counselor for Ward 1 here in the city of Hamilton and joins us on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Maureen, welcome back. How are you? Good morning. Happy Friday. Yeah, finally, we've made it. Um, what did you want to get out of your motion? What do you want to do? Well, let's just backtrack for a minute here. <clears throat> on a late Friday afternoon, November the 4th, 2022, last year, the the government of Ontario announced that it was removing about 3,000 hectares from the Greenbelt, including land in Hamilton. And on that very same late Friday afternoon, it also made public its decision to extend Hamilton's urban boundary, to blow it out by 2,200 hectares. Um, Their own staff said that 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 was not necessary. An investigative piece out just last week found that the Ford government cut and paste word for word the wishes of developers and their lobbyists. And that became, instead of Hamilton's official plan, those modifications became um, inserted into our official plan. Like, come on, man, that, that's appalling. It's corrupt. It needs to be investigated by the RCMP. It's the equivalent of drive-through, uh, drive-through approach to land development. A developer drives up, the Ford government says, hey, can I take your order? Um, and uh, the developers, yes, I would like X, Y, and Z. And uh, yeah, sure. Here's what you, and nowhere on that menu is the public interest. So and- the RCMP is investigating the Greenbelt land swap and those same conditions um, were at play, those very many, the same players were at play in the unilateral approach 
to extend Hamilton's urban boundary. Has this whole scenario set the city back at all in terms of planning for how we are going to grow? Of course. You know, it's it's <laughs> we've expended a lot of staff time, a lot of public consultation, and we have very important critical issues on our plate. We have a housing crisis. Um, we have a crumbling infrastructure. We have, uh, uh, we're behind in our public health investments. We, we have a lot of things that we could have attended to, need to attend to, um, but we, uh, we, we wasted it on an exercise that was um, all for the government, a bit of a theater. And so now it's, it's back to the drawing board um, and uh, you know, we certainly need to start over again with this government. One of the questions asked to the government in the provincial legislature was how many changes in Hamilton's official plan came from these speculators. Do, do we have any idea? No, and that's why, um, it, as I said, uh, when council unanimously uh, supported my motion to ask the commissioner of the RCMP to extend the scope of their investigation into what was done, in, in Hamilton, we're finding uh, these answers out a little bit drip, drip, drip by investigative journalism. So thank goodness for that. Um, but there were 77 modifications made um, unilaterally uh, without consultation. And private developers and their lawyers and their lobbyists were invited to private meetings uh, in October before that decision was finalized. City staff, professional planning staff, uh, the mayor, None of those uh, participants that are there to uphold the public interest and the city's interest were invited. Have you received a response from the RCMP? And if not, when do you hope to hear back? No, we haven't received a response. Uh, This decision was just made this past Wednesday at Council. So um, a letter will be going out under the signature of uh, Mayor Horvath uh, to make that request. So we have a couple minutes now to talk about the next steps in terms of the official plan. What what do you hope it looks like? Well, I hope it reflects the will of this community. Um, over 90% of Hamiltonians, um, through a, a survey with uh, 18,000 responses, which is unprecedented in the city of Hamilton, um, have stated that the, their vision of Hamilton is uh, one which is financially resilient that is economically um, and environmentally sustainable. And for those very reasons, they said, we want our development um, to take place in the future within our within a firm urban boundary, because there's plenty of evidence um, around us uh, to say and to see that we can no longer afford more of the same. Our tax rates are going up, our infrastructure is crumbling, um, Sprawl just burns through uh, the purse of a city government. We just can't afford any any more of this. Maureen, I appreciate the time as always. Enjoy the day and the weekend. Thank you so much. Maureen Wilson is a councillor, Ward 1, with the City of Hamilton as City Council, calling on the RCMP to investigate the Greenbelt land removal as it's doing already, but incorporate also what has been done in terms of Hamilton's urban boundary at one time expansion and no longer, and how speculators played a huge part in how the official plan 
was was going to be formulated. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Speaking of spooktacular good time, Halloween right around the corner. Tuesday night, all the little ones will be out and about this weekend. I'm sure all the big ones <laughs> will be out and about having fun in their costumes, which main producer and I, Liz, think, you know, what are the most popular Halloween costumes this year? Well, lo and behold, Google Canada collected the top trending searches about Halloween costumes. So, I mean, everyone goes to Google, right? What are the popular Halloween costumes this year? And this year, to no one's surprise, it is all about Barbie. Yeah, the top trending Barbie costumes in Canada over the last 90 days. And this this is going to get a little weird because, number one, the top, <laughs> the top Barbie costume is Weird Barbie. I'm not sure how weird it is, but... It is weird to think that Weird Barbie is number one. Western Barbie is number two. Cowgirl Barbie is in third. In fourth, it's Workout Barbie. And in the number five position is President Barbie. However, Barbie isn't the only queen of Halloween. No, no, no. Swifties are also showing their love through their costumes this year. And Taylor Swift Halloween costume is a breakout search in Ontario, according to Google. Well, besides those two titans of entertainment... What else is trending in terms of Halloween costumes? Gina Anke is the owner of Theatrix Costume House and joins us on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Gina, good morning. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. How are you? I'm good. <laughs> uh, Bar- is everyone scooping up a Barbie costume this Halloween? Well, you know, um, Barbie certainly is very, very popular, but uh, believe it or not, the, the classics are a good runner-up uh, this season. Um, we've had many requests for Elvis and Marilyn, for example. Really? Yes, yes. And, uh, you know, Elvis always seems to leave the building every year at the Asterix. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he, he's definitely a mainstay favorite. Um, so is Beetlejuice and Lydia. And uh, Mamma Mia has been very, very popular this season. Braveheart, Star Wars superheroes, Disney favorites like Hook and Peter Pan, Shrek and Fiona, and uh, The Little Mermaid and Ursula. So there you go. Very cool. I, I, the other one I mentioned was Taylor Swift. Are, are people coming into Theatrix Costume House and saying, hey, do you have any Taylor Swift costumes? Well, Taylor Swift um, is, is very catered to a certain look. Um, so what we do at Theatrix um, is, is unique. Um, as we have so many different parts and pieces to choose from. So I think if it's a certain theme or a certain look that someone is intending to to, uh, fulfill for Taylor Swift, we might have a piece or two of something for Taylor Swift um, and build on that if they already, if, if they come in with an idea or they already have obtained a piece that they would like to add something to. So we know that Taylor Swift is in a relationship with Travis Kelsey. Are there any Travis Kelsey costumes flying off the shelves? Um, yes and no. Uh, I think I think uh, again it, it comes back to uh, comes back to accessorizing those two those two particular looks. I think uh, for, for the ma- for the most part, most people are coming in with a few pieces that they may have obtained on their own, um, and then they'd like to come into a fun place like like ours, and sort of accessorize it and add pieces to it. 
Gina Enke is our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Gina is the owner of Theatrix Costume House online at theatrixcostumehouse.com. You can check them out on Kensington Avenue North as well. When it comes to kids' costumes, what are some of the hot costumes this year? Well, uh, I think uh, we, we have quite a few Disney characters. Star Wars um, seems to be quite popular. Um, uh I guess anything that's fun and bright. We, we've had quite a few people coming in and asking to be a butterfly <laughs> this <laughs> season. So it's, 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 you know, anything that's bright and lively and fun. And um, we're, we're getting a lot of unusual requests from children as well. So they want to try something different this year. Um, and we have quite a selection of children's costumes as well. But it's it's uh, some of them even want to to be a little scary this year. Hmm. Some are coming in and asking to be a witch or a ghost or a skeleton. Um, but for the most part, it's uh, it's it's Star Wars. Star Wars always comes comes out strongly. Very interesting. We know a lot of couples are going to be attending Halloween parties this weekend as the big day approaches on Tuesday. Are couples yes. getting together on you know costume pairings? Very much so. Uh, most of uh, most of our clients that come to theatrics prefer to come in and pair as a couple. Um, and as I've mentioned to you earlier, uh, what, what seems to be quite strong, I mean, we've, we've even had um, Danny and Sandy, Elvis and Marilyn, uh, Beetlejuice and Lydia, uh, some of the characters from Mamma Mia, um, anything historical as well. Historical is a, as, it plays a huge part. Uh, couples like to dress up in the Rococo era, a him and her, or a 20s Great Gatsby look, um, and an evening wear for the lady. So yes, um, in terms of coupling up, I think, uh, I think that's a, a lovely trend for couples to fulfill for Halloween. Absolutely. Some of the top trending couples' costumes for Halloween on Google are Mario and Luigi, a ketchup and mustard costume, and Jasmine and Aladdin, which goes back to Disney, which is always possible. Gina, we'll have to leave it there. Thank you very much for the time. Uh, best of luck suiting up people for the Halloween Thank season. You. Thank you. Gina Enke is the owner of Theatrix Costume House. Online, theatrixcostumehouse.com. You can find them in Hamilton on 162 and a half Kensington Avenue North. Halloween is always a fun time, and it's nice to see a lot of the kids trying different things. This is a day where you can, you know, think outside the box and, uh, and live outside the box in a great costume. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Well, Brantford Man recently set a new Guinness World Record. I, I, I think we're still waiting for the official acknowledgement from Guinness, but, I mean, this happened. It was for stilt walking. Yeah, last Saturday, Doug the Great took 14 consecutive steps, balanced atop 55-foot-tall stilts at the Wayne Gretzky Sports Center in Brantford. That's in another stratosphere. Doug Hunt, Doug the Great, the world record stilt walker, joins us now on GMH. Doug, good morning. How are you? Uh, good. Good morning. How does this even start? How did you get into stilt walking? Yeah, I'm only five foot five. <laughs> 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 so, uh, yeah, I've, I've been an entertainer for like over 40 years. So uh, stilts helped me get up on stage all the time. I felt so many years ago as an entertainer. Very interesting. When when did this kind of take off for you in terms of getting up to these extraordinary heights? 
Well, I've uh, been on stilts as an entertainer, and then I hurt myself. Um, I damaged my ACL in my right knee, and so to this day I wear a, a knee brace. And the surgeon at the time uh, in Brantford told me my stilt walking career was over. And so instead of uh, being over, we went after a Guinness World Record with uh, my physiotherapist and uh, an orthopedic guy way back then to go after the record. In fact, to try and get back on stilts. And it ended up with uh, a Guinness record, uh, my first one in 1998 on 50-foot, 5-inch stilts. 50-foot, 5-inch stilts back in 1998. And I understand that record stood for quite a while. Yeah, um, actually, I broke that <laughs> uh, in 2002. So the uh, the last record I had on tall, tall stilts till I just broke it was uh, 50 feet, 9 inches. And that was an opening of a tourism center in Brantford. And then that held uh, for some time. And I believe so because you needed back then to do 25 forward steps hmm. to uh, for verification for Guinness for some reason. They changed it to only 10 steps. So last year, a young American uh, broke my uh, record at, uh, he walked 10 steps exactly. He did 54 feet, one inch stilts. Wow. So 20 years later, this American breaks the record having only to walk 10 steps. And you're probably thinking to yourself, well, I got I to gotta get back on top, so to speak. Well, it wasn't my idea alone, but yeah, we um, we had talked about uh, having just a wine and cheese party to uh, celebrate <laughs> uh, breaking the record so many years ago. But when uh, it was taken away from us, we thought we got to bring it back. So uh, I'm 67. Uh, had to think about it for a bit, but we thought we could do it. And uh, yeah, we were successful. Wow. So, you know, 21 years ago, you are 46 years of age. What were some of the challenges this time around that you did not encounter the last time? Uh, yeah, the, good question. Uh, a lot to things have changed over those years as far as insurance. And um, yeah, insurance is a big deal. And the hoops we have to jump through um, uh, this time around, I had to take uh, working at heights. Uh, there's a lot of different uh, nuances that you have to uh, look at. So it's not an easy deal and then getting permission uh, to go on these uh, big stilts and getting cranes and all the equipment. And we needed to practice as well in a, a silo that we we did learn 20 years. And we failed many times prior to breaking the record the first time. And so there was a lot of things we learned from that uh, to be successful this time. And then I also am 67. Uh, there was a concern about me hurting myself hmm. and strength. So uh, the Wayne Gretzky Sports Center donated uh, their fitness area to me so we could train for uh, four months. Oh, that is awesome. Doug Hunt is a world record stilt walker, and he broke the latest record last Saturday at the Wayne Gretzky Sports Center in Brantford when he took 14 consecutive steps, balanced atop 55-foot-tall stilts. And there's also a fundraising component to this event as well. Tell us about that. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because that's uh, when I, after breaking the record the first time, um, I was invited to do talks at high schools. And uh, the um, the question was, why would you do such a thing? Well, it was certain uh, this time around, too, it was certainly a challenge, but it was also an opportunity uh, um, to support people that live a challenge every day. So it's sort of a, a walk for those who can't walk, let alone walk on stilts. So in Brantford, we have a place called Participation Support Services. Uh, we um, support people who are physically challenged and uh, complex needs. 
And so this was um, an unusual way to bring awareness to the small organization and bring in some uh, funds uh, for people that uh, uh, really we shouldn't take for granted. Uh, they live actually a challenge every day. That's a, a great uh, cause, and a lot of people are going to benefit from that. Um, getting back to the record, I know it's not instantaneous when Guinness says, okay, yeah, you, you got the record. There is a process that they have to go through. When do you expect to hear back from the people at Guinness? Well, we, um, I actually uh, took a bit of my own money to put it on fast track. Usually it takes 12 weeks. Oh, wow. Um, but uh, I think we should be here within a week or so. But we're pretty confident because uh, I had... Uh, three videographers, um, uh, even a drone operator. Uh, so we covered everything, and we actually broke the record twice. We broke it in the silo at Brantwood Farms. We did actually uh, 16 forward steps unassisted uh, because we wanted to be assured that we had, with all the support, uh, you wouldn't believe, uh, uh, you know, two cranes would have cost us twenty or $12,000, and the scaffolding alone would have cost 6000 But that was all donated in support of participation support services. So I didn't want to take a chance. So um, there was uh, a lot at stake. Uh, so we wanted to make sure we got it. So we worked really hard to meet every um, uh, verification, adjudication with uh, Guinness as far as the video. And we did have a couple of professional stilt walkers count my steps, even our mayor. Uh, was involved in counting the steps. So uh, we're pretty confident that uh, Guinness will approve this record. Doug, you're back on top of the world. And, uh, you know, pun intended. And congratulations on breaking this record again. And thanks for the time today. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Doug Hunt is known as Doug the Great. He is a world record stilt walker, 55-foot-tall stilts, as he took 14 consecutive steps to break the record and now just waiting for Guinness to put that rubber stamp of approval. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Big game coming up in the Hammer tomorrow night. It is the Canadian Premier League Championship Final. And once again, Hamilton's Forge FC is up for the North Star Shields. They will host Cavalry FC. Kickoff is at 6 p.m. at Tim Hortons Field as we welcome you back here to Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Bobby Smirniotis is the head coach of Forge FC and joins us on GMH. Coach Bobby, good morning. How are you? Morning, Rick. All good. You have been preparing all season long for this opportunity. Three North Star Shields already in the trophy case. What would a fourth mean to this franchise? Absolutely massive. You know, we've uh, we've done it. Uh, we've done it. We've done it a third time. Um, we haven't uh, won that championship here at home in front of our fans. Came close in 2021. Um, so I think it means a lot to, to the guys. Um, just for something for our fan base here to make sure we keep them energized as we know tomorrow will be an excellent crowd at the Warren's Field. When tomorrow arrives, Forge will have played in five straight CPL finals. When you started this thing five years ago, did you ever think that would even be a possibility? I definitely think big. So I definitely think big and knowing that there was competitions, that that's something we needed to be part of. Um, and sometimes you take these little things for granted. Like I tell the players, uh, you know, you don't get to play in a championship game every year, so don't take it for granted. And coach, we've done it for five years. Uh, so that one's uh, not working on them uh, too well. But yeah, it's, uh, it's a fantastic ride. But most importantly, you got to keep it going. Uh, so how how do you motivate these guys throughout the season, knowing that they've had so much success? Toughest challenge, Rick. That's the toughest thing that uh, keeps you up coaching the offseason. You know, 
winning can be a bit fantastic, but for a coach three days later, about it, uh, you know, one, we've got it again, and two, we've got a motivated Some of them in the four consecutive finals. Um, that's a um, but we have it in our DNA, and uh, when it really matters, the guys step up to the plate, get things done. You have a Gold Glove Award winner in goal in Tristan Henry, winning the uh, CPL's Top Goalkeeper Award. How big of a stabilizing factor has Tristan been here in 2023? Yeah, he's been fantastic for us. You know, we've we've needed him in the right moments in the games, and he keeps on going up in those moments. And, uh, you know, sometimes we look at the goals and uh, all the beautiful highlights of of ball going in the net from the attack. Um, but this guy, time and time again, he's there when we need him in matches, and he makes the big saves. Cavalry won. They were they were finished first in the regular season. They won Player of the Year, Top Defender, Coach of the Year, the Golden Boot. Is that extra motivation for you to beat these guys? Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what the guys think about it today in training. You know. It's uh, individual awards are, are great things, but in the end of the day, this uh, this sport is a, is a team game, and what matters most, and that's the one thing we always talk about. Uh, as we've had that success path with individual awards, it's all about a trophy that remains with uh, with the club, and that's what you have to have your eyes on. You beat Cavalry in the one versus two playoff game to get to the final. Do you think any of that game will transition to what happens tomorrow on the pitch? I think, okay, every game is unique, but that was a game that happened two weeks ago, so it's fresh. It's fresh in the minds of both teams. It gives both teams something uh, different uh, to look at. Uh, but every final is, is very unique. You know, we've obviously been part of uh, four of them before, and uh, the details are the most important part of this game. And uh, We need to be taught those little details in the match. We need to have our 10,000 here at Tim Hortons Field. I don't know what the final number will be. Uh, but making sure they're pushing us forward and they're the 12th man on the pitch. Well, we do know it's going to be the largest crowd at Tim Hortons Field for a Forge FC game, and we wish you nothing but the best tomorrow night against Cavalry in the CPL final. Thanks for the time, Bobby. Thank you very much. Coach Bobby Smirniotis, Forge FC, as they take on bitter rival Cavalry FC, trying to win their fourth CPL championship. Unbelievable. By the way, four-time Juno nominee Tyler Shaw is going to headline the Fan Fest ahead of the CPL final tomorrow at Tim Hortons Field. That begins in the South Plaza outside of Gates 1 and 2 at the Donut Box, and it all begins at 3.30. Kickoff is at 6. Thanks for listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. You can listen to the show live weekday mornings from 5.30 to 9 on 900 CHML and online at 900CHML.com. The Good Morning Hamilton podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. Thanks again for listening, and don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. It's free, so you you never miss an episode and make sure you rate and review.